Okay, I'm pulling out of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so last week, I started talking about the design of Scars of Mirrodin. Uh, and this week, I thought I would continue that, that talk since I did not finish. Okay, before I jump in, I made a mistake last week that I want to correct this week. Um, I was talking about how, um, in trying to get percentages for the sets, we wanted to start the first set having the Frexians be as low a percentage as possible, yet still feel their presence. And I said last week off the top of my head that it was 10%, but I was wrong. Uh, it was 20%. So what we had done was the first set was 80% mirrored in, 20% Phyrexian. The middle set was 50-50, and the last set was 90% um, Phyrexian with 10% mirrored in. Now, by the way, if you do the numbers, you do the math, uh, because the first set was a large set and the other two sets were small sets, um, those numbers made uh, the mirrored and the friction sides basically have the same amount of cards in the block. Which, by the way, was interesting because the whole shtick was you didn't know whether it was new Phyrexia or mirrored and pure. But there were people that did the numbers and figured out that, you know, if, if the Phyrexians won, that they'd have enough numbers to balance it out, which was completely true. So, um, it's, fu- it's funny that there's a lot of little clues if you understand our structure to figure out where we were going. Um, and, and there were plenty of people that did figure it out. Um, okay, let me talk a little bit about the, that 20%. Um, I mentioned watermarks last week, and I, I want to talk a little more about, about how we use the watermarks, because it was interesting. Because we were trying to demonstrate the idea that there was a Phyrexian presence. And so we had, I'd wanted you know, 80-20 in the first set, and then I wanted 50-50 in the second set, and then the third set, obviously, would be mostly Frexian, with you know, just enough mirrored in to show like a little resistance and give you know, give the the mirror and fan just a few cards. Um, but the question is, how do I show you twenty percent? And and that's where the watermarks came in. Um, and so what happened in the first set was we had strict rules of what made you a Frexian mechanically. Um, let's see if I can remember these. I, I always do so well when I remember things off the top of my head. You know, next week, last week I said, okay, so. Number one, if you had um, any of the Phyrexian mechanics, so the two Phyrexian mechanics were considered to be Infect and Proliferate. I will get to Proliferate uh, momentarily, talk about where Proliferate came from. Uh, so if you had either of those mechanics, you were considered Phyrexian. Uh, if you made use of minus one, minus one counters, that was considered a Phyrexian thing. Um, and if you... Anything else? Um... I mean, if you, if you interacted with poison in any way, if you interacted with minus one with counters in any way, um, oh, also, yeah, and, and this one's a little more subtle, uh, death triggers were given to, um, the Phyrexians. So if you, when you died, if you had a trigger, that was a Phyrexian thing. And that the Mirrodin all had, uh, enter the battlefield triggers, and the, um, Phyrexians all had death triggers, and that, oh, and, um, if you sacrifice something, the Frexians, anything that required sacrifice, that was on the Frexian side. Um, in fact, as we'll, we'll get to it, there was actually a, um, uh, for a while a little bit of a, a sacrifice theme going on. Um, anyway, I will get there. Uh, okay, so let's see. Uh, okay, so where we left off yesterday. Oh, okay, so I basically uh, had a little bit of a crisis where. I got a little lost. Um, this is probably the set where I, I, I might have gotten the most lost, where I was trying to make new Phyrexian. Just, I was swimming in things of Phyrexian, and I was getting an identity for the Phyrexians, but I didn't understand what the block was about. It's like, here's Phyrexians and more Phyrexians. I didn't have an identity. 
Uh, and then I got a little pep talk from Bill. And, okay, I, I realized that, you know, I needed to sort of follow my passion. And I said, okay, I, we're telling the wrong story. You know, we were telling the story where it ended. And I'm like, this is an interesting story. I, I thought, like, Mirrodin falling to the Frexians was a very neat story. And we were like, you know, it's like, and scene, you know. And Dorothy gets back to Kansas. Now we begin our story. I'm like, well, that's, that's not where you begin the story. That's, that's the end of the story. Um, and, and the point is, if we have other stories to tell the Frexians, we can do that later. But I feel like there's an awesome story we wanted to tell. And once I framed it that way, it became a lot clearer what was going on. Um, like, I, I had a much better understanding of what, what we wanted. Because once we, we said, okay, this block is about the conflict between the Frexians and the Mirrodins, um, for example, for Scars of Mirrodin, they said, okay, I want to revisit Mirrodin. So that was one of the goals. We're going back to Mirrodin. 80% of the set is Mirrodin. I, I want to show off Mirrodin. Meanwhile, I need to introduce the Frexians and, you know, concentrate what they're doing, but you want to get the essence of the Frexians right away. So, let, let me talk about the Frexians before we get to the Mirrodins. Um, so what happened was, the Frexians... Oh, oh, so yesterday, another thing to finish. Uh, uh, I said that in the beginning of the design, I wrote down four adjectives for the Frexians, and the idea was that I wanted the Frexians to capture these four qualities. Now, notice this was a... I did this at a time in which it was just for... Everything was Frexian. So I was trying to come up with... I, I wanted four mechanics for the Frexians because at the time, they were all, it was all Frexian. And so I came up with four words that I was hoping would inspire us to make four keywords. And I talked about three of them yesterday. I couldn't remember the fourth one. But I looked it up. Okay, so uh, number one was they were toxic and, 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 and poison was going to represent that. Um, they were relentless. Um, and we toyed around with... Uh, a mechanic not that far away from um, Undying, what would later get used in Dark Ascension. Uh, it wasn't exactly that mechanic, but it was the idea of allowing them to come back. Um, and then there was Adaptive. Um, I don't remember what Adaptive was. Uh, we had early mechanics for all this stuff. But anyway, the fourth one was Viral. That they, the, the Frexians were Toxic, Adaptive, Relentless, and Viral. Uh, and plays right into the, the disease theme, like I said. I really thought thematically that the Frexians are like a disease. And that, you know, um, I, the, the thing that to me is interesting about them, and what makes them great villains is that they really are scary. They, they very are scary. Like, you know, the idea is the last thing you want to see is a little Frexian oil in your neighborhood because things are going to go bad. Um, and, and I was trying to capture that. But once we realized, okay, so um, I, I knew I wanted the sense of spreading. And, and the other thing I wanted was... I wanted to make sure that poison counters were a little different. Um, let me talk about this for a second. It's an important point. So, I didn't want poison to just be another life total. You know, um, I wanted it to have some qualities that were a little bit different. Um, so, the first quality is that you got it through infect creatures, which meant that, you know, if you wanted to play this game, you had a subset of things you can consider. Um, it wasn't like I was open and free. It's like, okay, I have these guys. And these guys keyed off of damage, which meant that um, I could interact with different things. But, once again, le- normal life does that. Um, so the, 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 there was a couple key things that I had done. Number one is, um, I, one of the things to make poison scarier in my mind is to sort of change up how... Like, if you want it to be scary, I feel like if you just can easily get rid of poison, 
it, it, it's less intimidating. But if poison was just a, a permanent thing, that when you got one poison, you always had one poison. That, that one poison never went away. I felt like that really upped the ante. You know, it really made it have a little more like, okay, you got to, you know, just take one poison, you got to be careful, because that one poison, you know, is never going away. Um, and one of the things interesting is uh, Homeland's had a card called Leeches. And Leeches wasn't a great card, and the cost of getting things off, it was pretty expensive. But I, I never liked Leeches because I kind of felt like part of what I always thought was interesting about Poison was the fact that it, it made it so much scarier when you couldn't get rid of it. Um, and so I made the call not to get rid of Poison. I said, okay, that's one of the qualities of Poison that makes it scary is you can't get rid of it. Uh, and I laid down the law that said, look, we're not getting rid of Poison. Um, we, now, we did, by the way, we did toy around with um, some mechanics that worked against Poison. We ended up not using them, but uh, uh, they're interesting stuff in our bag of tricks next time we meet the Frexians and that. We, we did have some more tools against, against uh, Poison. We ended up not using them because we were a little worried that it wouldn't be good enough. Uh, it's funny, obviously, it, it, it's gone on to pr- prove itself okay. But uh, we were worried that if we have too much stuff to stop in there, and that wouldn't be scary. And so we, we, we held back a little bit on the, the things to fight for it, uh, the fight Poison with. Um, although, once again, none of them removed Poison. There's a lot of neat ways to fight Poison without actually taking it away. But uh, maybe that's for the Poison discussion. Uh, okay, the second thing that I thought was very interesting was... Um, the idea that um, there was some way that once you got poisoned, that you could fan the poison. Uh, and that's where proliferate came from originally. Um, so at one point, we had, in, we had infect. Infect put minus one, minus one counters on creatures. It put um, poison counters on players. And so one of the ideas I came up with is, I made a card. At the top, it was just a singular card. And it was like spreading the plague or something. And what it did was... Uh, I think it was an enchantment that sat in play and just, just said, at the beginning of your turn, if you have a minus one minus counter, you get another one. If you have a poison counter, you get another one. And the idea was it just, it made sick things sicker with the flavor. Um, and so we played with it, um, and it was pretty powerful because um, it, it happened every turn. And we're, and we're like, oh, well, I to- let's tone it down a little bit. And so I said, okay, let's just try a spell in which it does that. Um, and it was, it was interesting, and what I found was it actually did kind of cool stuff. It kind of, like, it helped, like I said, once you start doing stuff, this will fan it along. Uh, and so I showed it to the team, and uh, Mark Globus's comment was, well, why, because I spelled up particularly, it, it increased poison counters and minus one minus counters, because I was trying to say, oh, it's, it's fanning the, the plague. And then um, Globus had a really good comment. He's like, but why, why couldn't it just be any counter? And I was like, you are correct. You are correct. And the reason that was so awesome was one of the themes of the Forex, I'm sorry, of the Mirans was um, I was trying to play on a lot of themes that, that we had done the first time we had you know, been to Mirrodin. And that one of those was charge counters that you want to, ha- I love. So when I did the very first Mirrodin, I played around a lot with the idea of, because there's a lot of artifacts, in, obviously, in Mirrodin. Of, I like the idea of serrated arrows of, you know, so many uses. Like, a lot of things, uh, if, you, if you go to objects and other games and things, that you can't use things an infinite number of times. I mean, some things like a sword you can. But, like, arrows. Like, you have so many arrows. And when you're out of arrows, then you have no more arrows. And I played around with, with charge counters and mirrored it. And I, I like that. And I said, okay, 
well, we're going to use more charge counters in um, Scars of Mirrodin because we're going to try to capture a lot of what I was trying to do with the Mirrodin. So, get that in a second is is capture what the Mir- what what happened in Mirrodin to feel like the Mirrodin part felt like Mirrodin. Um, and so, uh, I knew we'd have charge counters, and ma- by making proliferate affect all counters, it affected charge counters. And I really liked that because one of the things that I was very worried about. Um, and in my design was even though there was a war and there were two sides and the two sides were designed to fight each other, I wanted to make sure that you can mix and match between them. Um, and, and like I said, some of this work got undone, unfortunately, during development. But um, So one of the things that proliferate was important to me was we decided to base proliferate in blue. So we, we decided, my, well, what I wanted to do was, in fact, because the whole block, I wanted to show evolution, what I decided was we were going to take the elements that were Frexian, start them small and located in the first set, and then watch them grow. So, for example, in fact, the idea was, well, what are the two colors that made most sense for, in fact, black and green? Those are the two colors that pretty much had poison in the past. And the reason is, those are the two colors that, that, that creatures that carry poison. And, you know, the, the idea was, if the Frexians were going to infect anybody, I felt like black and green is where they get their foothold. You know, black and green play right into the Frexian sort of... Um, the feel. I mean, and, and a lot of my, the Frexians have a lot of, uh, I don't know, black-green qualities to them. In fact, disease has a lot of black-green qualities to it. In fact, disease is kind of like, you know, it has the, the growth of green, but the destructiveness of black and kind of mixing those together. Um, so anyway, uh, we decided to put Infect into black and green. So proliferate, I, I also wanted to be there. And I said, well, what, what colors make the most sense for proliferate? And there were two colors that were the clearest, which was blue and green. Um, those are the counters, that, and those are the cards that mechanically do what proliferate does, the ones that expand on counters and things. Um, and the thing is, green had done in fact, so I'm like, okay, why don't we give it to blue in the first set? And then what I knew was that I knew that proliferate would have use both in um, infect decks, but also would have use in artifacts with lots of charge counter decks. Um, and so what I did was I, I put proliferate uh, pretty heavy in common blue. In fact, uh, what's the name of the bird? The little bird that hits you, and every time it hits you, uh, it proliferates. That was a common card originally. Thrumming bird? Um, that was a common card originally, for example. And so one of the things that I had done was I pushed proliferate pretty strong. So for limited, that blue really became this interesting swing color, and that blue played with black and green and played with white and red. Um, now, I also done a bunch of other things to interact, you know, that um, you, you could pick one of the infect colors, and then, I, for example, there was some, a lot of power pumping that went on um, at, at the time in, in white and red uh, that interacted with infect. Um, anyway, there were a bunch of... I did a lot of cross-synergies. Like, there was a whole theme I made of sacrificing that red sacrificed artifacts and black sacrificed creatures... Um, oh, by the way, the Phyrexian was the Sacrifice Creatures part, not the Sacrifice Artifact part. That was Mirren. Um, but you can mix together. You can take the, the sac- Artifact Sacrificing of Mirrodin and the Creature Sacrificing of um, Phyrexian, and there's a deck. I, I made some cards that cared about things being sacrificed and that allowed you to sort of draft a red-black deck. That also got tuned down a bit um, during development, but it, it was a, in design it was a big part of a reason you would play black and red together. Um, so anyway, proliferate... I liked a lot that it, it was something that linked to the... It could link to the Mirrens and do something cool. Um, and that change... And Proliferate went on, by the way, to be a really popular... In fact, uh, in fact, ranked the best in the Godbook studies 
but right behind, in fact, was proliferate. Um, yeah, one of the things I, I, I've talked about this before, I talked about my state of design. One of the things I feel bad on is I think I gave the two most exciting mechanics to the Frexians, which once again, if you kind of watch where we were going, I was trying to stake the clay. I, I was trying to have Frexia, you know, uh, plant their stake to say we're back. We're you know we're we're the bad guys to watch, and so. I think I ended up giving them the more dynamic and more exciting mechanics because maybe in my heart of hearts, I, I was really wanted you to like the Frexians because um, a lot of what this block was is about sort of having them reclaim their villain status. Um, okay, but let, let's talk about the Mirrors because... Uh, so the Frexians, I, the Frexians was very established. I had um, uh, Poison. I had, In fact, I had Proliferate. Both were awesome. They were playing well. Okay. And, once again, remember, I spent a lot more time working on Frexia, because for the first, you know, three, four months of design, all it was was about Frexia. Okay, but once we realized we're going back to Mirren, I said, okay, my, my guideline for my team was, okay, I want the Mirren half to feel like Mirren. Now, things can evolve, you know, things could, I'm not saying it has to be Mirren as Mirren was, but it had to feel like this felt like an evolution of Mirrodin. Like, we came back to Mirrodin. Oh, like, what I said to my team is, imagine there was no Phyrexians here. We were just going back to Mirrodin. All the Mirrodin part of the set has to have that feel, like we're going back to Mirrodin. Um, and by the way, the other thing that I loved is it gave Scars of Mirrodin a really nice feel because a lot of Scars of Mirrodin was just, hey, we're going back to Mirrodin. I mean, there was a whole Phyrexian threat that took up 20% of the set. But 80% of the set was just, hey, we're back in Mirrodin. Okay, so what that meant was I needed to use mechanics that either were from the Mirrodin block or were had the right feel. Okay, so the problem was when you looked at the mechanics, uh, for starters, um, you have stuff like modular and sunburst, but in order to make infect work, I needed to use minus one, minus one counters. And one of our rules is that we do not use minus one, minus one, and plus one, plus one counters in the same block. Um, I mean, Lorwyn, Shadowmoor, which were two mini blocks, did each for contrast purposes use the opposite ones but they never played together in limited so if you're ever going to play a format together in limited we do not mix them and, and the reason is a pretty simple reason which is if I look across the table and your guy has two counters on it I should be able to know what that guy is um, and uh, so, oh, so people often ask well if that's true why did you make the plus one plus one minus one minus one counter implosion rule and the reason is so just to simplify the board like, if a creature both has plus one, plus one, and minus one, minus one, look, it cancels each other out. Let's just cancel them out. Um, it's funny, because with any role, it's done some quirky things, uh, especially with, like, persist and, and undying. But, you know, uh, I, I do think it's a, a nice, clean role. Um, yeah, people always ask me, I'll go into this, because they always say, like, is that really important? Is it so important? Can't people just use red counters for plus one, plus one, and blue counters for minus one, minus one, or pennies and nickels or whatever? Uh, and my answer is that one of the things that we've learned over the years is that um, magic requires concentration. So think of it this way. There's so much energy you have to concentrate, um, and at some point your brain redlines. And when, when your brain redlines, what it means is more than your brain can handle. You can't handle it. Um, and what happens when your brain redlines, you just stop thinking of everything. You, you, your brain goes, well, what's important? And it just stops thinking of things. Um, and one of the things that magic got to a place where the, the board, you know, once you got a, a few turns in, would just start redlining. There's there so many things to keep track of and so many things that mattered. 
you know. And, and, and here's the worst thing is, sometimes we had something that only mattered 1% of the time, but we made you track it 100% of the time. I mean, Mandelburn was in this camp, where it's just like, yeah, it mattered. When it mattered, it, you know, when, when it mattered, it did matter. But that it, did, it mattered so infrequently that, like, making you take a brain space to monitor something that's just going to happen so infrequently means we're just constantly redlining you. And, for example, uh, something you'll notice, for example, when you, when you play, uh, especially in Sealed, and you draw a vanilla card, that sometimes you go, oh, a vanilla card. And the reason you're doing that is your brain's like, love of God, thank you, thank you, I can rest. This card doesn't, like, make me go, whoa, what's going on, you know? And that, I think it's very easy when people look at things, they look in isolation. They go, okay, forgetting everything else, and I'm just looking at this card. And people go, oh, that's a minor thing. And what people forget is there's an aggregate of what goes on. Um, and then this is true of any game, which is um, when you're looking at complexity, it is not just a matter of, of large complexity issues. It's a matter of all your tiny complexity issues add up. And if your tiny complexity issues add up into a major complexity issue, then even though each case is a tiny small thing, it becomes a big thing. And, you know, magic is more fun because you have, you have the brain power to focus on the decisions that matter. Not that I'm, like, paralyzed because so much is going on, like, ah, whatever, you know. And, and, and look, I know that I, I, everyone has had this moment. This is how you can tell you've, you've redlined. Where you have a board state and there's so many creatures and you're like, Screw it, I'm attacking. You're like, I can't do the math, I'm attacking. You know, and that, I, magic should not be like that the majority of the time. I'm not saying magic should never redline you, and, and it does. Um, I mean, that's the other thing that I find hilarious, is this idea that if we take out complexity, that, like, magic has no complexity. And we're like, no, 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 no. The reason we're trying to lower complexity is because there's so much complexity, and there's so much to track, and there's so much you have to sort of just, you know, I mean, I... I know, for example, that, you know, if you play magic, you go to a tournament and you play, at the end of the day, you're just exhausted. You're exhausted. Because magic requires immense amount of, of, of concentration. Anyway, that is why plus one and minus one counters do not coexist. Uh, and reasoning for many other things that we do. Okay. So I could not use Sunburst. I could not use Modulus. Go back to the, go back to the conversation. In, in, in the mind of Mark, as I, as I drift around to things. Um, so we're talking about, I wanted to use a mirrored in mechanic. Okay, modular sunbursts were out. Um, so, uh, so the, uh, the, the, okay, so the four mechanics in Mirrodin was equipment, entwine, affinity, and um, imprint. Uh, and then I had indestructible and um, blah, 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 and modular in the second set, and the third set had sunburst and scry. So here was my problems. I couldn't use modular and sunburst. Those were off the table. Both equipment and indestructible had become evergreen, meaning every set had them. So I couldn't define mirrored. I mean, obviously, we had dark steel things that are indestructible. We had lots of equipment. Those would be there. But they, those no longer felt like I'm mirrored in unto themselves. I mean, we made sure they were there because they were mirrored in, but they didn't give us that the feel of mirrored in. Okay, so, um, so the problem with both entwine and scry is... They're fine mechanics. They're both good mechanics. We've brought Scry back. Uh, I'm sure we'll bring Entwine back one day. They're both fine mechanics, you know. But, but, and this is the important thing, they didn't have anything particular to do with the feel of Mirrodin. I mean, they're nostalgic in the sense that they were there in Mirrodin, but they don't really evoke a real sense of Mirrodin. 
Okay, so that leaves us with um, affinity and um, imprint, both of which to me felt very Mirrodin. So, so the mechanic that I said, okay, we want to feel like Mirrodin. Well, pff, no brainer, affinity. So we started making affinity cards, um, and what I did was um, I I started I I took the colors and I, I started branching affinity out. So green was affinity for creatures, for example. Um, I think blue and white were still affinity for artifacts. And black and red... Or maybe red and green were affinity for creatures, and black was affinity for creatures and grave. Or, anyway, I, I, I came up with a couple different ways to do affinity and spread them out through the colors. So the idea was, okay, the Mirrodins have advanced a little bit. It made it a little bit safer. Um, so we had less cards that were affinity from artifacts. Um, but obviously... I mean, for those that don't know, the, the original Mirrodin block um, was very popular. The first set was one of the best-selling sets of all time for a long time. Um, was the best-selling for a long time. And but our, the the environment broke. We just made lots of broken cards. We didn't really put in a mana system to separate them, so they all sort of globbed together. We called it the blob, and it broke. It broke magic. I mean, we eventually we fixed it, but it it drove a lot of people away. Because um, when magic's not fun, people stop playing. And so one of our roles, you know, development especially, is keep magic fun. And, and there's two times in magic where I feel like development really fell down um, and magic degenerated into really unfun play. One was during Urza Saga, we call Combo Winter. Um, and, and, well, maybe there's a third one. There also was Necro, Necro Summer, which wasn't particularly awesome either. Uh, and, and then Mirrodin was the other one. Um, and, uh, which never got a name. Like, there's, like, Necro Summer and Combo Winter. Like, we didn't have, like, Phyrexian Fall or something, but, um, although, the, the, not Phyrexian, the Mirrodin, uh, Mirrodin, uh, I don't know. Uh, so, when I came up with Affinity, I felt like, affin- like, there was nothing more, de- more definitive uh, of Mirrodin than Affinity. I'm like, and not only that, I wanted I wanted the Mirrodins to seem like like badasses. I want the Mirrodins to go, okay, you know, like the Frexians are here, but these these are the Mirrodins, you know. I didn't want it to feel like it was like once we established we're going to set up this conflict. I'm like, I, I want you to go, okay. The Mirrodins have a real good shot. They're not they're not some pushovers, you know. This, this is Mirrodin, you know. They broke they broke standard. Okay, this this is Mirrodin, and uh, so I, I liked Affinity because I felt like it, it came back with them on, on a strong suit, um, and so what happened was I. My team designed for Affinity. And then I, I turned it over and showed uh, development. Because um, I talked to them and I said to them, do you guys think you can develop Affinity in a way that's safe? And all the developers said, yeah, we, we think we can. So I proceeded. But the more they thought about it, what they said is, we think we can, but there's some chance we can't. And you know what? You know, it's the worst thing, you know, is to make the same mistake twice. And not only that, people... Like, a lot of people who left during Mirrodin who would come back to the game, like, having another broken Mirrodin block, th- their concern was it just was too big a risk. You know, that the risk was not that big, that they thought they could do it, but there's some percent chance, 5% chance, there's some percent chance they'd mess up, and then that would be disastrous. And so, what they said is, we really think it's, it's too dangerous to mess around with Affinity. Only because if we're, if we're off, the public's just going to, you know, react quickly, and... And, and strongly, and that it just seemed too dangerous. So I fought for Infinity. I actually fought pretty hard for Infinity. We had come up with a lot of very cool cards. Um, 
but in the end, um, I mean, I, I, I was outvoted. Uh, I, like I said, I, I fought hard for it, but in the end, it was decided. I mean, one of the things that's it's important to understand is whenever we have a big issue, what we do is everybody sort of makes their, st- their case, and usually in the end, Aaron is the one who will make the call. Um, usually the group comes to a consensus, and Aaron tends to go with the group consensus. Uh, not always, but he tends to. Um, and so it's pretty clear that, that affinity was dangerous, and it, it wasn't worth the risk. So, okay, I needed to come up with something like affinity. Meanwhile, Entwine, I was the... Not Entwine. Uh, Imprint was now the only, like, mirrored and filling mechanic that, that I could use. And, and I, I liked Imprint, and I felt like it, it was a fun mechanic that we could do some more with. It, it turns out that Imprint is tricky, that it, it's not easy to make a lot of Imprint cards. And so the philosophy I had with Imprint is we are under no obligation to make any particular number make good ones, as many good ones as we come up with, that one will print. We decided to keep it out of common, that it's just a little too complex for common under New World Order, so print became an uncommon, rare, and mythic rare thing. Um, and we made some fun in print cards, but we didn't go, we like kind of, like we didn't stretch ourselves in the sense that we made ones we knew were good, and we didn't try to go beyond that. Like, it prints back, it's, it's not a high-as fan, but it's a good-as fan. And the cards you see are awesome, and they're fun, and they're inventive, and you can have fun with them. Um, okay, but that meant now we needed to find a replacement for Affinity. So what happened was, um, we, from time to time, um, well, one of the ways that people who, are, who want to do design, because if you're a designer and you want to do magic design, what happens is you always come and you say, I want to do magic design. Okay. And we, we, you start with hole filling, and if you prove yourself, you get on teams, and if you prove yourself on teams, eventually you'll be like a second on team, then... One day, you get to lead a team. And so what happened was, Mark Lobus had gone to Bill and said to Bill, I want to get better at design. Help me. And so Bill said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to design a set. You're going to design your own set. And you're going to make pieces of it, and I'm going to give you notes. Um, and so as, as, more as a project just to learn, uh, that there wasn't any intent that the set was going to be published. It was just something for Mark to work on. Um, and in it, he... Um, Mark had this, uh, his set was about, like, angels versus demons, had, had kind of a, uh, a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a religious undertone, but, like, definitely kind of the forces of good and forces of evil, you know, forces of absolute good and forces of absolute evil. Um, but anyway, in it, he had a mechanic he called presence. Um, and presence was, you needed to have a certain number of permanents on the battlefield. Um, and I remember at the time... Um, I, I thought there was potential to it. I thought it was a, it's a little complicated because there's a lot of permanence on the board. Um, and I said to him, because I had seen him, and I made a note that maybe you wanted to narrow it down rather than look at everything on the board, look at a subset. Um, and so when we were talking about uh, artifact matter stuff, I remembered presence, and I said to Mark, okay, what if, the th- what, what if you narrowed it down to artifacts? What if you just looked at artifacts? If you have enough artifacts, these things turn on. Um, uh, and uh, presence is what we call, we call a threshold mechanic based on the mechanic threshold, which means I need something to happen, but once that happens, bam, I get better. If I'm a spell, I do more. If I'm a creature, I get improved. Um, and so the idea is we took presence and we said, okay, what, what if it, presence just means you have a certain number of artifacts? Um, and I think we started with three, interestingly enough. 
Um, and then we, we tried a couple other ones, but three always worked the best. Uh, and so we, we played with it, and I, I liked it. I thought it was very cool. And it did something I liked a lot, which said, if you're playing Mirrodin, that you really... It, it said something that said, hey, I, I want to play some artifacts. But three was nice in that it required you playing a certain amount of artifacts, but it didn't require... like. One of the things we had done first time in original Mirrodin was we'd done a lot of, of Artifact Matter stuff. And a lot of it pushed you to say, why are you playing non-artifacts? And, like, I, I, I wanted you to have space to play artifacts with space to play non-artifacts. And I wanted a little less all or nothing. And so what, what uh, I liked about uh, Presence, or it became Metalcraft, was that it said, hey, play some artifacts, make sure you have enough artifacts, but not that you couldn't play some non-artifacts. That it, it did a nice job of encouraging you to sort of raise your volume of artifacts, but didn't, didn't punish you for not going all out on artifacts. And I, I feel that, that I, I thought that played nicer. Um, and so we tested it, and it tested, it tested pretty well. I, I mean, I, it's one of those things where, so one, one of the things in general is that I've gotten pretty good at, I mean, coming into my 18th year here, is I'm very good at playtesting mechanic once. Uh, and, and getting a pretty good grasp of what I think the potential of the mechanic is. Now, most often the first version that you playtest is not the correct version. You know, most often it is um, a lot of design. Or, or let, me, let me do a little, a little thing here about game design. I believe that the best game design uh, is an iterative process, which means that you come up with ideas, you talk them through, you write them down, you playtest, you get concrete experience, you learn from that, and then you go back and you discuss what you've learned, and from those discussions, you make changes. And then you iterate. You do that process again and again. Uh, and what happens for magic is, I like that the... Let, let's talk about the iterative process as a length. Like, uh, the beginning of it is you talking, um, and then the end is you play test. Um, and that iterative process, I like to shrink. So early on, for example, like we might talk and build for a month in the beginning of the design, and play test a month in. But by the end of design, we're playtesting every week. Like, the iteration gets so fast that, like, it, it becomes a week or less. You know, sometimes, for example, I, I'll even do playtest, learn things, change it quickly, playtest, learn things quickly within the context of one week. Um, that your iteration process gets shorter and shorter as you go along. Um, most of the, and the reason for that, for a little game design explanation here, is that as you get closer and closer to what you want, you need less and less iteration to matter. Early on, you're making wide swaths because you're making big changes. Um, but as you start understanding what you're doing, the little new, it's much more about little nuances and tiny changes. And, you know, when you have a playtest, if you change 10 cards, it doesn't mean a lot early playtests because um, everything's kind of vague. But in the final playtest, when you're getting near the end, it's like, no, 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 each card is very particularly doing its thing. And so just changing a few cards really could matter. Um, anyway, we, uh, we playtested with it. I was pretty happy. Um, I mean, it required a little bit of figuring out how best to use Metalcraft. Like, any threshold mechanic, um, the lesson we had learned from the original threshold was that you have to be careful. Obviously, there's a, a switch that gets put on. Um, and so the thing about threshold mechanics is the board state changes quite a bit. Now, the thing that was interesting about... Um, that, that I liked a lot about Metalcraft was you have a lot more control over moving artifacts than you do of getting things out of your opponent's graveyard. You know, you have to kind of dedicate cards to do that, where in a block about artifacts, you're going to be having artifact destruction. So, you know, you already have it in your deck, and it allowed neat moments where your opponent was at Metalcraft, but you destroy one of the artifacts, and so they were counting on something, but, it, you know, you were able to shut it off, and a, a lot of that played really cool. Okay, so 
Um, we had um, infect and um, proliferate. We had uh, metalcraft and uh, and imprint. Uh, so we had our two sides. Um, so pretty much what I'd wanted to was I wanted to sort of get the essence of of what they each represented, and I wanted to make sure that they had tools to play against the other. Um, and so anyway, I'm I see work now. So uh, we were in a good state. Uh, things were pretty good. Um, so I think next week, uh, I'm not done yet, so I'm, next week I'm going to talk about, um, wrap up a little bit, we're, uh, God, and then I want to talk about some card stories. Uh, I think that uh, I'm realizing more and more that part of the fun of looking at a set is just jumping in telling some individual stories. So next week I, I will, uh, I think I'm going to wrap up next week, and then I'm going to also share with you a bunch of card stories, because I, I, there's a lot of fun, a lot of fun scars and mirrored in card stories, which I'd like to tell you. So anyway, uh, hopefully you had fun today. It was... Uh, it's always fun to go back and examine a set. Uh, and uh, I even had a little bit of traffic because my kid's school, so you got an extra little bonus today. And anyway, thank you very much for joining it. Ah, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, it's time to go make the magic.